Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Pro Tem Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Muntu Davis, Health Officer with the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thank you for listening, and to keep up with our department on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at LA Public Health. And now, Supervisor Solis. Yes, thank you, and good afternoon, and thank you all for joining us today's uh, press briefing. You know, Labor Day is approaching this weekend, and like everything else, it will have to look very different for this year. And it's clear that our workers are the people who keep our society running, and they need our help now more than ever. This weekend, let's keep them at the top of our minds and avoid crowds, continue to wear our masks, and only gather with people in our household because these actions not only keep you safe, but they also keep our workers safe. And that's how we can celebrate and honor our workers this Labor Day, by continuing to flatten the curve and keep everyone safe. We are once again back on the path of recovery, which means reopening may be in sight. In fact, we are announcing today that hair salons and barbershops in LA County will be allowed to resume indoor operations at 25%. And our health officer, Dr. Mantu Davis, will go into these details further in a little bit. But we can easily be knocked off that path of recovery if we see another surge in cases after the holiday weekend, which was what happened after Memorial Day and the 4th of July. So please continue to do your part. Yesterday, the Board of Supervisors unanimously passed my motion to implement the Department of Public Health's plan to better protect Los Angeles County residents from the flu. As you know, we're once again approaching the flu season. But this year, there is a lot of uncertainty because the influenza season will occur during a global pandemic. Although the flu and COVID-19 are different viruses, and we don't yet know how they interact with one another, There are concerns that people can be infected with both, possibly exacerbating their symptoms. And the potential influx of patients with severe influenza could negatively impact our hospital system's capacity at a time when we need those precious beds the most. That's why getting vaccinated for the flu is more critical now than ever before. We don't have a vaccine for COVID-19, but we do have a flu vaccine. But we know that people are more reluctant now to visit pharmacies and doctor's offices where the flu vaccines are administered. That's why my motion calls for a robust multilingual publicity campaign to encourage residents to get vaccinated. We must be creative and host flu vaccine clinics in hard to reach communities and launch pop-up drive-through vaccination sites in underserved communities. We must meet people where they are in order to do this work effectively and protect the public health. Additionally, flu vaccines are widely available through community clinics, local pharmacies, and primary care providers. The best way to receive a flu vaccine is to consult with your healthcare provider. If you're uninsured, you can call 211 or visit vaccinefinder.org to find a vaccination site free of cost. We're adapting to a life at home, and this can be challenging. It can be isolating, and it can also create tension and stress. Many people are feeling anxious and depressed right now. These are difficult times, and it's easy for us to feel overwhelmed. 
I've said this before, but I think it's worth repeating. It's so important to keep your connections right now, even though we are all at home. Call, email, text, and video chat with the people in your life. Try to reach out every day. It helps you as well as the people you are connecting with. No one has to be alone right now. If you feel overwhelmed or stressed and would like to speak to someone, you can call the Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health Access Center 24-7 helpline at 800-854-7771. We also have promotoras in the community through the Mental Health Promotores Program. These individuals are trained by the Department of Mental Health, and their role is to provide free educational workshops to individuals and families seeking resources. The promotoras have been even more critical during the COVID-19 pandemic, given this crisis disproportionately impacts communities of color, which our promotoras serve. In the recent report, The Crisis of COVID-19 and the Southeast Los Angeles, the CELA Collaborative, Cal State LA, Pat Brown Institute for Public Affairs and Latino Decisions found that only 15% of Southeast Los Angeles had been tested for COVID-19 despite the widespread availability of such testing in their community. This is in part due to the anxiety our communities feel about getting tested. Our Department of Mental Health and our Promotora partners can help with that anxiety and I urge our communities to please reach out. However, I understand that there are many people who are not safe at home, and we want to help. For those of you who are experiencing abuse or the threat of violence in your home, safe and confidential help is available 24-7. Los Angeles County's domestic violence services remain available, and shelters are open and accepting intakes. Even when shelters are full, there is additional safe housing available through Project Safe Haven and other housing supports. Local agencies can help you access that housing. Services for those impacted by domestic violence include shelter, counseling, legal assistance, and many other services, including if you just need to talk to someone. Know that all providers are providing services in a safe way that complies with all public health guidance. If you do not have to have an experience physical violence to seek domestic violence services from a provider, we understand that Domestic violence includes lots of different types of abuse and coercive conduct. And if you are a friend or a family member or someone who is feeling unsafe in their home, you can reach out to these services. They can help you find the right words to say to assist someone to safety. To be connected to domestic violence services that are available 24-7 and are confidential, please call the domestic violence hotline at 1-800-978-3600. Enter your zip code and you will be connected to a domestic violence hotline. If you or someone you know is in danger of immediate harm, know that law enforcement is responding to domestic violence 911 calls and that emergency protective orders are being issued. The courts are open and domestic violence restraining orders are being issued. Legal services are available to assist you. And there are up-to-date resources on the Domestic Violence Council's website at publichealth.lacounty.gov slash dvcouncil. Let's continue doing our part to protect and take care of one another, especially this holiday weekend. Thank you, and now I would like to introduce Dr. Montu Davis. Thank you, Supervisor Solis, and thank you to the entire Board of Supervisors I am grateful for all you are doing to facilitate our county's recovery journey. 
Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Uh, today, I'd like to talk to you about our current numbers, the latest updates we have on cases and deaths among people experiencing homelessness and staff working in shelters. I'd also like to update you on changes we're making to our health officer order in coordination with our Board of Supervisors and the state's updated uh, uh, reopening framework. First, on our status. We're sad to report we have a 51 additional deaths today. 22 of these are, are people who died over the age of 80, uh, and 17 people who passed away had underlying health conditions. 15% of these people who died are between the ages of 65 and 79, and 10 people who passed away had underlying health conditions. Eight of the people who died are between the ages of 50 and 64, and six of these people had underlying health conditions. Three of the people who died are between the ages of 30 and 49, and one of these people had underlying health conditions. Two of these people who died were between the ages of 18 and 29. Neither of these people had underlying health conditions. Information on the one death reported by the city of Long Beach is available at longbeach.gov. This unfortunately brings the total number of deaths to 5,878 in Los Angeles County. As usual, our thoughts and prayers continue to be with people across our communities who have lost loved ones and friends to this virus. 92% of the people who have died from COVID-19 had underlying health conditions. This again means that 8% of the people who died from COVID-19 were healthy or had no known underlying health condition. For the 5,535 people who have passed away where we know race and ethnicity, 51% are Latino, Latina, Latinx, 24% are white, 15% are Asian, 10% are black, less than 1% are native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with another race or ethnicity. We're reporting 1,457 new cases today. This brings the total number of cases in Los Angeles County to 243,935. These cases include 10,674 cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 2,387 cases reported by the city of Pasadena, which have independent city health departments. 16,667 cases have been at some point hospitalized. 7% of all positive cases uh, have been hospitalized in terms of our county. 1,048 confirmed cases are currently hospitalized. 31% of these confirmed cases are in the intensive care unit, and 17% are on ventilators. We've investigated a total of 1,660 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Of these, 847 are being currently investigated and 813 are closed investigations. Residential settings again include nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supported living, and correctional facilities. Non-residential settings include workplaces, food and retail, and educational settings. The total confirmed cases in institutional settings is 32,599, including both staff and residents. 16,517 of these confirmed cases are residents and 16,082 are staff. We're sad to report that 2,632 residents in institutional settings have died from COVID-19. 2,377 of these people who died in institutional settings resided in skilled nursing facilities. 
Of 50 newly reported deaths today, excluding Long Beach and Pasadena, 12, or 24%, were associated with skilled nursing facilities. Again, our heartfelt sympathies are with all of you who have lost someone to COVID-19. We're reporting 3,570 confirmed cases at some point in jail facilities, 3,166 among people who were, are incarcerated, and 404 among staff. There are 244 cases in the state prison, 183 among people who are, ex are incarcerated, and 61 among staff. There are 758 cases in the federal prison facility, 742 among people who are incarcerated, and 16 among staff. And 143 cases in the juvenile facilities, 61 among youth, and 82 among staff. Over 2.3 million people have been tested and had results reported in Los Angeles County, and our positivity rate for all of those cases remains at 10%. Our current last day seven, uh, seven day average positivity uh, rate uh, was 4.7%. Now I'd like to update you on people experiencing homelessness and the staff members across the county who work with this population. This population is among the most vulnerable in our communities and I want to sincerely thank all of the organizations and staff who have, been, who have been and continue working so hard to help protect people who are experiencing homelessness during this pandemic. At the outset of the pandemic, we had grave concerns about this population. They were unable to just stay at home as we advised everyone to do in March. They often live in encampments or in shelters that make it difficult to maintain physical distance. And they're at higher risk of poor health outcomes due to underlying health conditions. The data that we will discuss today shows that due in part to the partners that we've worked with or that have worked together to prevent and control outbreaks among this group of residents, these fears up to this point have not come to fruition. As of August 27th, 19,715 people experiencing homelessness have been tested with 28,502 tests uh, and 1.87% positivity rate among those tests. I want to again thank the work of the Department of Health Services and other partners for facilitating this testing. Now if we can go to the first slide. This slide shows confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness and staff members at shelters. As of last week, there have been 1,589 cases among people experiencing homelessness and 160 cases among people who work at shelters. As you can see, in the month of August, there are two spikes in cases among people experiencing homelessness. That is the, line, the white line. There are a few explanations for this. First, there's been an increase in the surveillance testing and an increase in outbreak-related testing. Second, these reflect the date the case was reported, but some of the cases were diagnosed much earlier, and they show up later as data from our partners gets updated. We can go to the next slide. This slide shows the number of people who are experiencing homelessness who have been isolated, meaning they were positive for COVID-19, and those who are quarantined, meaning they were exposed to someone who was positive for COVID-19. The lighter section uh, of the bar is the number of people who were isolated due to illness, and the darker orange section of the bar is the number of people who were quarantined due to the exposure to the virus. These numbers only reflect people who were referred for isolation or quarantine after initially being identified. It does not include people who went into isolation or quarantine later. Since March, 448 people who were experiencing homelessness have been referred for isolation and 1,040 
people have been referred for quarantine. As you can see, there were early spikes in April and May due to an outbreak at, at a large shelter and due to the wider testing in shelters. Since then, the number has remained fairly stable. If we can go to the next slide, please. Tragically, we've seen deaths among people who were experiencing homelessness as well as people who were working in shelters. As of this week, we're very sad to report that 41 people who were experiencing homelessness and two people who were working in shelters have passed away from COVID-19. As you can see, while these numbers are low, we do see that in the last month, 15 people passed away, which may be related to the spikes in cases we saw across the county in the month of July. For everyone who is grieving the passing of their friends or loved ones, we are so very sorry for your loss. Next slide, please. This slide shows cases and deaths among people experiencing homelessness by age. With the majority of cases uh, are among uh, people with between the ages of 30 and 40, uh, 59, we see the mortality rate is highest among people the ages of 50 or older. Next slide. This slide shows cases and deaths among people experiencing homelessness by gender identity. As you can see, there are twice as many cases among men from, than all other groups as men have a, a mortality rate that is nearly double that of women. This difference is likely a reflection of the fact that men make up a larger proportion of the homeless population in LA County than women and trans individuals. Next slide, please. Finally, this slide shows cases and deaths among people experiencing homelessness by race and ethnicity. Like we see overall in LA County, residents who are Latino, Latina, or Latinx and black uh, have the highest numbers of cases and deaths from COVID-19, with 692 and 321 cases respectively, and 20 and 7 deaths respectively. And while the numbers are very small, people identifying with two or more races have the highest mortality rate, although this represents only 10, 10 cases and one death. Now I'd like to update you on decisions made yesterday in consultation with our Board of Supervisors around Los Angeles County's recovery. First, beginning on Monday, September 14th, K through 12 schools may offer in-school services for small cohorts of students with individualized education plans, students requiring instruction for English as a second language, or students needing assessments or specialized in-school services. As long as the school is able to fully implement the health officer's reopening protocol, this will get children who are in the most need in, of in-person learning back into the classrooms. We will not be opening the waiver program for instruction of students in grades TK through six, as we monitor the implication of this, of the implementation of this effort to safely get students needing specialized in-school services back at school. Second, after they've reviewed the updated order and the updated and required county protocols, hair salons and barbershops can reopen for indoor services at 25% occupancy, provided they are in full compliance with the health officer's protocols. If your hair salon or barbershop has been operating outdoors, please continue to do so and use your 25% occupancy for those services you are not able to provide outdoors. All other current restrictions remain unchanged at this time. Right now, a cautious and measured reopening with close monitoring of what happens to our data in the weeks that follow is needed to ensure we're not experiencing significant spikes in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, as we saw in July after reopenings and holidays. As we slowly reopen sectors, we'll watch how closely, closely how it is impacting our county transmission. 
the current uh, state has, the, currently the state has us uh, at our seven-day average cases rate uh, at 10 per 100,000. This is down from 13 per 100,000 uh, that we were a few weeks ago. The longer our county's uh, seven-day average case rate remains above seven, as determined by the state, the longer we will remain in the state's most restrictive tier. In addition, once both our seven-day average case rate and our seven-day average positivity percentage meet the criteria for tier two, they must stay there for at least two weeks before we can be moved to the next less restrictive tier. I encourage all to follow the required county protocols and all personal protective actions. They are for the safety of our employees, our customers, and will help us to improve our case rates. Our department is here to help businesses understand how to comply. Continuing to slow the spread of the virus while reopening sectors is, a, is something we must, every, all of us must focus in on. In closing, it's important for all of us to be diligent in doing our part to protect ourselves and each other from the spread of COVID-19. The virus is widespread in our community. The improvements we see uh, do not mean victory, and it's still easy to transmit, and often people who are contagious don't have symptoms. This Labor Day, please all use the tools that we have uh, to prevent and slow the spread. Wear a cloth face covering whenever you're out of your home and around others. Practice physical distancing of at least six feet or more than three steps away from others. Avoid crowds in confined places. Be flexible if, your plans outside of, if you have plans outside of your home and be willing to leave any space that becomes crowded. If you're planning to visit the beach, please know that they're likely to be crowded this weekend and any uh, crowded space, even if it's outdoors, can pose health and safety risks. Your best bet is to avoid crowds, is visit the beach at off hours, in the mornings or in the early evenings. Always stay physically distanced from anyone outside your party and wear a face covering when out of the water. If the beaches get too crowded, it may be necessary to close them. In addition to being diligent in reducing the risk of transmission of COVID-19, if you are going to the beach, please bring a trash bag with you and take your trash home for disposable. Finally, please don't organize parties or start a bonfire on the beach. Fires in the sand are illegal and damage the beach and marine environment. They're difficult for beach maintenance staff to clean up and pose a safety risk to beachgoers. Please enjoy our beautiful county as safely as possible during this Labor Day weekend. And now I'll turn it over to Dr. Galley, who'll give us updates from the Department of Health Services. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. Davis. I'll touch just briefly today on testing and the hospital demand model, and then we'll turn it over for questions. So first for testing, in anticipation of this upcoming holiday weekend, there will be a handful of the LA County operated and supported testing sites that will be closed in observance of the Labor Day holiday on Monday, September 7th. The details of the closures are all listed on the county website. As well, the state-operated testing sites will also be closed on Monday, September 7th, and the LA City-operated testing sites will be closed on both Sunday, September 6th, and Monday, September 7th, in observance of Labor Day. Again, all of the closures are available on the county website. The city's website also lists their specific closures. 
Individuals who need testing are encouraged to again first contact their healthcare provider or their healthcare plan. There are testing capacity that's available across provider and plan networks. It's also best just to discuss your specific situation with your healthcare provider so they can talk you through your symptoms, what your risk factors are, talk through whether or not you have a close contact and need testing. So that's a first, first, best first place to start if you have a healthcare provider. If you don't have a provider, you can obtain one by contacting the county's 211 system. LA County residents can, though, make an appointment also in addition to the county and city-operated testing sites through a number of other private sites that are located on the county's website. That includes a variety of retail pharmacies, private clinics, federally qualified health centers, as well as other entities. And I'm very grateful for all of the providers that have stepped up to enhance their testing capacity over the past several weeks and months. Shifting now to the hospital bed demand model, last week I shared that the number of new patients with COVID-19 that were requiring hospitalization was continuing to decrease across the county. This week that continues to be true. The number of new patients with COVID-19 requiring hospitalization in either the county's public or privately operated hospitals continues to very slowly decrease, though the rate of decrease appears to be leveling off. Last week, we reported the R, or the transmission number, at 0.92. The value this week is 0.94. ISL remind you, any time that R is less than 1, we can expect that the cases will gradually decrease over time. However, at 0.94, that number is still very, very close to 1. So that means if we don't continue doing those same basic core public health practices that we all know about and that Dr. Davis just walked through, physical distancing, wearing your mask when you're outside of your household, interacting uh, only with those within your household and limiting your interaction and intermingling with those outside of your household, washing your hands, these and other things, if we don't continue to practice those basic public health measures, then we would very much expect to see those numbers climb back up. We are on the right track though. The transmission has declined and I think it should just provide reassurance for everyone that those practices do work and can continue to work. In observance of Labor Day, I also want to just extend my thanks to all the people that work, especially the workers on the front line. Whether you work in a healthcare setting, in a nursing home, a hospital, a clinic, whether you're in the social services industry, work for public utilities, farm workers, people who work in factories, manufacturing, retail, whatever is your job, I want to extend my thanks for your uh, service to our community, your, ser our, your service to our society. It's your work that makes our society and our community function, and I am very grateful for your time and your energy and your effort that you have expended on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, throughout this COVID pandemic. Please do enjoy the Labor Day holiday, but please do so safely. Please keep mind of those public health practices and stay safe so that in future holidays to come, we can all enjoy them together. We'll now turn it over to questions. Ladies and gentlemen on the phone lines, if you'd like to queue up for a question, you may press one and then zero at this time. Please limit your questions to one question and one follow-up only. One moment, please. We'll go to the first question line from David Rosenfeld from LA Daily News. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Thank you very much for, for taking my question. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you about the process as far as uh, easing this health officer order. You mentioned it was in conjunction with the Board of Supervisors. So was this done in closed session yesterday, or where did this take place, and why would this not be a public process 
where the businesses involved could chime in and let you know uh, how you know, they would be affected. And also, why, why not nails, massage parlors, tattoo, uh, indoor malls, these other sectors that we've heard could open? Why are you choosing not to open those now, please? Thank you. Well, I can talk, uh, discuss a, a small portion of it. You know, the Board of Supervisors goes over a lot of this information with our public health officer. And we do talk about uh, what uh, the process is in terms of outreach to the different sectors and especially to our resiliency task force, many of those members. So things are not just done in a vacuum. And by and large, the decisions are always based on data and scientific information that is given to us at the time. And we always, I think, have the best interest of trying to make sure that we contain the virus and that we try to bring that curve down that we've been talking about so that we can, um, at a, I would say, at a hopefully uh, not too far off future, be able to open up all of our, our segments that are, that are really hurting. We are very much aware of that. But I'll ask uh, Dr. Davis if he wants to also uh, give give some background on that. You know, I do want to really appreciate that question. I know it's uh, something that everybody has looked at. Um, what I will say that as a department, we have continued to uh, do telebriefings and get feedback and hear from various sectors uh, inside of the county uh, in terms of uh, what they'd like to see and feedback even on the protocols that are being implemented. Uh, the other thing that we have to do is every time we think about what to do next uh, is to think about what does the state uh, restrict us from doing. Uh, that's the first step, you know, what's possible. Uh, the other is to think about uh, what are our data trends showing us? Um, what have we learned from past experience with reopenings? Uh, and then we have to think about uh, how is, what is the risk related to the activities uh, that aren't open still uh, and where can we uh, have some reopening in lower risk uh, locations and at the same time pay attention to the impact that that has on our data trends. Um, I will say that as we look at this, you know, the state has put us in a certain tier uh, that does restrict a lot of what we can do. Uh, and within that, we have to try to manage as much as possible to as quickly as possible get more businesses and, and uh, places uh, reopened, but at the same time, not overwhelm the system uh, so that we cannot get out of the most restrictive tier that we're in right now. Um, so we continue to monitor the data as we do things. And I want people to understand that as we think about Los Angeles County, this is not a small place. When we talk about the sectors, there are thousands of businesses and thousands of people associated with those. And so we have to be mindful of that as we think about what gets reopened. Uh, but we're consciously thinking about uh, how do we get our businesses back open, but we also have to monitor the data and use that to make our judgments and, our and guide our discussions about what to do next. Next question. Our next question comes from the line of Claudia Schuda with KNX Radio. Go ahead. Hi. Um, just a couple of quick questions and then a longer one. Is the resumption of indoor operations at barbershops and hair salons happening today, or is that also uh, waiting until Monday? What is or will the county be doing to track the results of home COVID testing? And then based on the data that I've been provided by the coroner's office, homeless deaths are up almost 30% compared to the same period last year. Why do you think that is? Do you think there may be more COVID cases and deaths among homeless people than what's actually being reported? Thank you. Okay, um, I'll turn it over to Dr. Davis on that. But, you know, as, as I said earlier, too, though, we are 
we are uh, looking at opening up our hair salons and barber shops. So at 25 percent, and I think uh, you know we're going to go slow. And obviously, we want to make sure that everybody's adhering to that uh, the health orders that have already been provided and guidance. And of course, our our uh, Department of Public Health will be available to help provide any more assistance and information so people can get ready. Hi, Claudia. Thanks again for your questions. Uh, so uh, hair salons, uh, once the orders are posted and once uh, shops have reviewed the protocols and understand what they need to do, uh, they will be able to reopen today. Uh, as we think about the question of home COVID-19 testing, uh, I think we're going to have to figure out what that means. Uh, if a person is able to do it on their own, um, you know, is there a way to require and how could we even monitor, you know, whether or not a person actually was positive? Uh, right now, the, health, the testing that's done right now is either done through our mobile testing sites, there are requirements for healthcare providers and labs to report those tests, but this is a new paradigm in terms of uh, what we would need to do with uh, home uh, COVID testing. And so we'll have to, to look at that uh, as that uh, comes to fruition and think about uh, how we might uh, better get that information uh, back to us to understand what's happening in our county. Uh, in terms of the homeless cases, um, we recognize that as we look at the data, sometimes it's difficult to identify whether a person was actually experiencing homelessness or not. Um, we will be looking at, uh, you know, trying to slow down the data at the moment just in terms of being able to more accurately understand if a death that we do see was actually a person who was experiencing homelessness. Um, so we'll, we'll probably change the reporting on that to allow for that time to more accurately reflect uh, those numbers. Uh, the other thing we'll be doing is over the next month or probably within the next month, uh, doing an update on our deaths related to homelessness, and hopefully that will uh, give some more answers to the questions as to what may be happening there. Uh, but in general, it's just a question of identifying that a person who actually passed away was actually experiencing homelessness. Thank you. Next question. Next question will come from the line of Carla Hall with Los Angeles Times. Please go ahead. Um, thanks, Dr. Davis. Um, I have a question. How many of the homeless uh, cases of COVID were actually in shelters? And also, I think related to Claudia's question, I, I think the question is, do you have any sense of whether those deaths that have already been reported by the coroner's office could possibly be COVID-related? That's it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I'll have to get back to you related to the, the homeless cases and shelters. I don't have them off the top of my head, and so I want to make sure I give you an accurate number. Uh, in terms of whether or not uh, the deaths uh, from the coroner, uh, we know that those are related to uh, COVID-19. Assessing a death does take uh, some time to do. Uh, it requires looking at all of the changes that may have happened uh, in the deceased body to understand what may have been the true cause of death and what may have contributed to it. So in general, um, our coroner and his staff are working very hard to make sure that this is clearly identified. Uh, and you know, we continue to work with them uh, in terms of looking at that information. But that's generally, it, it takes some time to figure that out. Uh, and oftentimes, there are other factors that were associated with that as well. Um, so we have time for one more question. We'll go to the line of Angie Crouch with KNBC. Please go ahead. Yes, as we're moving into the Labor Day weekend, um, I couldn't help but notice on uh, yesterday's press release from county uh, officials, they had a list of prohibited activities, uh, which we hadn't heard spelled out as specifically in the past. Things like backyard barbecues, dinner with extended family, even gathering with friends at the beach. And I'm curious about whether or not this more specific uh, messaging is because we're moving into the Labor Day weekend 
and these are activities that are continuing to cause the spread of COVID. Can you address the messaging of these particular banned activities, things like baby showers, gender reveal parties, and barbecues? Thank you for the question. Um, and I will say that uh, gatherings are prohibited. Uh, really, the only folks that should be gathering together are members of the same household. Um, we know that as the holidays come up, uh, this is traditionally what people will do is they'll get together, uh, and all of it could increase the risk of transmission related to COVID-19. Um, so it was really an intent to be more specific as we understand what we all typically do uh, when a holiday comes around. Uh, but those activities are the same activities that were prohibited before. We just spelled them out just uh, as people think about what they may do this weekend. Uh, but again, we want people to enjoy the Labor Day weekend, uh, but to do it in a way that doesn't potentially increase the risk of transmission for them or anybody else around them. Um, so thank you again for that question. Now we'll turn it over to remarks in Spanish. Buenas tardes. Y gracias por estar hoy día con nosotros. El día de trabajo se acerca este fin de semana. Y como todos saben, va a ser muy diferente este año. Es obvio que nuestros trabajadores mantienen nuestra sociedad en marcha. Y ahora necesitan nuestra ayuda más que nunca. Este fin de semana toma en cuenta que tenemos que seguir usando tapabocas y estar solo con personas de nuestra casa, porque esto no solo le va a proteger a usted, sino que también va a proteger a nuestros trabajadores esenciales. Y así es como podremos celebrar y honorar nuestros trabajadores el día de trabajo, por bajando la curva y también manteniendo a todos seguros. Estamos de nuevo en el camino de la recuperación y esto también va a ayudarnos a reabrir nuestra economía y ya podemos saber la vista. De hecho, anunciamos hoy que las peluquerías y barberías en el condado de Los Ángeles podrían reabrir a 25% de capacidad. Nuestro oficial de salud uh, ya habló de, de eso y vamos a esperar, ojalá que todos puedan uh, participar. Pero podemos cambiar el curso de este camino de recuperación si los casos del virus suben después del fin de semana. Lo que pasó después, por ejemplo, el día de Memorial Day y el 4 de julio. Por así, por favor, hace, haga su parte. Ayer la Junta de Supervisores aprobó mi moción para trabajar en un plan con el Departamento de Salud que proteja a la gente contra la gripa. Ya que, ya que los tiempos fríos vienen muy pronto, el virus sigue afectando a muchos. No sabemos cómo esta gripa va a afectar a la gente. Tenemos que estar bien preparados para que el impacto no sea tan grave. Con esta emoción podremos lanzar campañas en varios idiomas para educar a la gente lo importante de tomar una vacuna contra la gripa. Queremos que todas las comunidades puedan aprovechar de esta vacuna, especialmente nuestras comunidades de colores. Estas vacunas son gratis y no necesitan tener seguro médico y pueden vacunarse en las farmacias, clínicas de comunidad y con su doctor. Pero si quieren más información de parte del condado, pueden llamar a 211. Este virus ha cambiado nuestra forma de vivir. 
viviendo solos en casa puede causar mucha tensión, depresión y miedo. Esto afecta el salud y por eso es importante que nos conectamos por video, mensajes y llamadas con la familia y amigos. Si sienten o si no se sienten bien, pueden llamar al Centro de Salud Mental del Condado de Los Ángeles. Ellos tienen personas quienes pueden hablar con ustedes siete días a la semana, 24 horas al día. Solamente llama a 800-854-7771. También tenemos prometoras de salud mental. Las prometoras son personas del Departamento de Salud Mental quienes ayudan a la comunidad. Ellas conectan familias a recursos. Ellas han ayudado a las comunidades de colores impactados por el coronavirus. Por favor, llame una prometora o al Departamento de Salud Mental si tienen o si quieren a pedir más información. Hay mucha gente que no está segura en su casa en este momento. Muchos están sufriendo del abuso o violencia doméstica y nosotros queremos ayudar. Los servicios del Condado de Los Ángeles para enfrentar la violencia doméstica pueden ayudar. Ellos ofrecen ayuda priva privada siete días a la semana, 24 horas al día. Pueden ayudar con refugios, asistencia legal y otros servicios. Estos servicios son seguros y siguen las órdenes de salud pública. Recuerden que no están solos y no tienen que sufrir en silencio. Tal vez tengan una amiga o familiar que sufre de violencia doméstica. Tú puedes hablar con ellos o ayudarlos. Llame a 1-800-097-83600 para recibir esta ayuda. Pero si alguien enfrenta peligro muy grave en su casa, llame también al número 911 para solicitar un orden de protección por emergencia. Las cortes también están abiertas para obtener una de estas órdenes de protección. En conclusión, tenemos que protegernos y cuidar uno al otro y seguir luchando para que bajamos la curva de coronavirus. Con eso me da gusto a, a introducir Jacqueline Valencia, que nos va a hablar del Departamento de Salud. Muchas gracias. Buenas tardes. Hoy nos gustaría proveer algunas uh, actualizaciones, incluyendo información acerca de casos y fallecimientos entre personas sin hogar y el personal que trabaja en albergues. También nos gustaría informarles sobre algunos cambios eh, que estamos realizando en nuestra orden del oficial de salud en coordinación con nuestra junta de supervisores. Y, y en referencia, perdón, y utilizando el marco de referencia que el Estado uh, nos dio sobre la reapertura. Nos da tristeza reportar 51 fallecimientos adicionales. Esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 5,878 en el condado de Los Ángeles. El 92% de las personas que han fallecido a causa de COVID-19 tenían problemas delicados de salud. Esto también quiere decir que el 8% de los que, fallecer, que fallecieron por causas de COVID-19 estaban en condiciones saludables o, o que no padecían de, de ningún problema delicado de salud. De las 5,535 personas que han fallecido donde se identificó la raza, etnicidad 
el 51% son latinos, el 24% son blancos, el 15% son asiáticos, el 10% son afroamericanos, menos de un por ciento son nativos de Hawái o de las islas del Pacífico y un por ciento se identificó con otra raza etnicidad. Hoy también estamos reportando 1,457 casos nuevos y esto eleva el número total a 243,935 casos en el condado de Los Ángeles. Se han hospitalizado 16,667 casos en algún momento, el 7% de todos los casos positivos. Actualmente se encuentran hospitalizados 1,048 casos casos confirmados. El 31% de estas personas son casos confirmados en unidades de cuidados intensivos y el 17% están en ventiladores. Además, hemos investigado un total de 1,660 entornos residenciales y no residenciales con al menos un caso confirmado de COVID-19. El total de casos confirmados en estos entornos institucionales es de 32,599, incluidos tanto empleados como los residentes. De estos casos confirmados, 16,517 son residentes y 16,082 son empleados. Nos da tristeza informar que 2,632 residentes en entornos institucionales han fallecido a causas de COVID-19. Cabe señalar que las 2,377 personas que fallecieron en entornos institucionales residían en centros de enfermería especializada. Y de los 50 fallecimientos que reportamos hoy, uh, un 24% fueron fallecimientos re relacionados con centros de enfermería especializada. Estamos también reportando hoy 3,570 casos eh, confirmados en algún momento en las cárceles, 3,166 entre personas que están encarceladas y 404 entre el personal. Hay 244 casos en la prisión estatal, 758 casos en las cárceles federales y 143 casos en las instalaciones juveniles. En el condado de Los Ángeles, más de 2.3 millones de personas se han sometido a una prueba de COVID-19 y sus resultados han sido reportados al, al condado de Los Ángeles. El 10% de estas pruebas dieron resultados positivos. Y nuestro índice, índice de positividad promedia actual de 7 días es de 4.7%. Ahora nos gustaría informarles sobre las personas que se encuentran sin hogar y los miembros del personal de todo el condado que trabajan con esta población. Esta población se encuentra entre las más vulnerables de nuestra comunidad y a la vez queremos extender nuestro más sincero agradecimiento a todas las organizaciones y al personal uh, que han trabajado y continúan trabajando tan duro para ayudar a proteger a las personas que se encuentran sin hogar durante esta pandemia. Cabe destacar que al comienzo de la pandemia teníamos serias preocupaciones sobre esta población. No podían simplemente quedarse en casa como les aconsejamos a todos en marzo. 
Eh, como bien sabemos, estas personas viven en campamentos y en albergues donde es más difícil mantener la distancia física. Y muchas personas tienen condiciones delicadas de salud, uh, lo que los pone en mayor riesgo uh, con resultados bastante peligrosos. Los datos que discutiremos hoy muestran que debido en parte a los socios que han trabajado juntos para ayudar a prevenir y a controlar los brotes entre este grupo de residentes, estos temores hasta este momento uh, no se han hecho realidad. Hasta el 27 de agosto eh, se han evaluado 19,715 personas sin hogar con 28,502 pruebas con una tasa de positividad de 1.87%. Queremos agradecer el gran trabajo hecho por el Departamento de Servicios de Salud y otros socios eh, por facilitar estas pruebas. First slide, thank you. Esta gráfica muestra casos confirmados entre personas sin hogar y miembros del personal en albergues. Hasta la semana pasada han habido 1,589 casos entre personas sin hogar y 160 casos entre personas que trabajan en albergues. Como pueden ver, en el mes de agosto uh, hay dos aumentos rápidos en los casos entre las personas sin hogar, eh, la línea blanca. Hay algunas posibles explicaciones. Uh, primero, primero, ha habido un aumento en las pruebas de vigilancia y un aumento en las pruebas relacionadas con los brotes. En segundo lugar, estos datos reflejan uh, la fecha en que se reportó el caso, pero algunos de estos casos se diagnosticaron mucho antes. Uh, aparecen más tarde a medida que actualizan los datos nuestros socios. Next slide, please. Esta gráfica muestra dos cosas. Primero, la cantidad de personas sin hogar que han sido aisladas, lo que quiere decir que fueron positivas para COVID-19. Y segundo, la cantidad de personas sin hogar puestas en cuarentena uh, porque estuvieron expuestas a alguien que resultó positivo para COVID-19. La sección más clara de la barra es la cantidad de personas que se aislaron por tener COVID-19. Y la sección anaranjada más oscura de la barra es la cantidad de personas que fueron puestas en cuarentena debido a la exposición al virus. Estos números solo reflejan los datos de las personas que fueron remitidas para aislamiento y cuarentena después de haber sido identificadas inicialmente. Por otra parte, no incluye a las personas que se, aisla se aislaron o que después se pusieron en cuarentena. Desde marzo, 448 personas que se encontraban sin hogar uh, han sido remitidas para aislamiento y 1,040 personas han sido remitidas a cuarentena. Y como pueden ver, hubieron aumentos a principios de abril y mayo debido a un brote en un refugio, en un refugio con gran capacidad de personas y debido a un aumento en las pruebas en los albergues. Sin embargo, desde entonces, el número se ha mantenido eh, bastante estable. Next slide, please. Eh, trágicamente, hemos visto fallecimientos tanto entre personas que estaban sin hogar como entre personas que trabajaban en albergues. A partir de esta semana, nos da tristeza informar que 41 personas que se encontraban sin hogar y dos personas que trabajaban en albergues fallecieron a causa de COVID-19. 
como puede ver, si bien estos números son bajos uh, a la vez, vemos que en el último mes fallecieron 15 personas, lo que puede estar relacionado con los altos números en los casos que vimos en todo, en, en todo el condado en el mes de julio. Y para todas las familias que están de duelo por haber perdido un ser querido, uh, estamos lamentando con ustedes. Next slide, please. Esta gráfica muestra casos y fallecimientos entre personas sin hogar uh, por edad. Si bien la mayoría de los casos se dan entre personas de entre 30 y 59 años, uh, vemos que la tasa de mortalidad es más alta entre las personas de 50 años o más. Next slide. Esta gráfica muestra casos y fallecimientos entre personas sin hogar por identidad de género. Como puede ver, hay el doble de casos en hombres que en todos los demás grupos. Y los hombres tienen una tasa de mortalidad que es casi el doble que la de las mujeres. Y esa diferencia probablemente sea un reflejo del hecho de que los hombres constituyen una mayor proporción de la población sin hogar en el condado de Los Ángeles uh, que las mujeres o las personas transgénero. Next slide, please. Finalmente, esta gráfica muestra casos y muertes entre personas sin hogar por raza y etnicidad. Como vemos en general en el en el condado de Los Ángeles, eh, los residentes latinos y afroamericanos tienen el mayor número de casos y fallecimientos por COVID-19, con 692 y 321 casos respectivamente, y 20 y 7 fallecimientos respectivamente. Y aunque los números son pequeños, eh, las personas que se identifican con dos o más razas tienen la tasa de mortalidad más alta. Uh, aunque esto representa solo 10 casos y un fallecimiento. Ahora nos gustaría informarles sobre las decisiones tomadas ayer en consulta con nuestra Junta de Supervisores eh, sobre nuestro viaje hacia la recuperación en el Condado de Los Ángeles. Primero, a partir del lunes 14 de septiembre, uh, las escuelas de entre kinder al 12 grado pueden ofrecer servicios en la escuela para una porción pequeña de estudiantes con planes de educación individualizados, conocidos como IEP por sus siglas en inglés. Eh, los estudiantes que requieren instrucción en inglés como segundo idioma o estudiantes que necesitan evaluaciones o servicios escolares. Siempre que la escuela pueda implementar completamente los protocolos de reapertura del oficial de salud. Esto hará que los niños que más necesitan el, el aprendizaje en persona regresen a sus aulas. No abriremos el programa para pedir permisos, conocidos como waivers en inglés, para la instrucción de estudiantes en los grados de pre-kinder al sexto grado, mientras monitoreamos la impl implementación eh, de este esfuerzo para que los estudiantes que necesiten servicios especializados en la escuela regresen a la escuela de manera segura. En segundo lugar, después de haber revisado la orden actualizada y los protocolos requeridos por el condado, los salones de belleza y las barberías pueden reabrir para servicios en interiores, en interiores con una ocupación del 25% siempre que cumplan plenamente con los protocolos del oficial de salud. 
si su salón de belleza o barbería ha estado operando al aire libre. Continúe haciéndolo y use su 25% de ocupación en el interior de su negocio para aquellos servicios que no se pueden brindar al aire libre. Y todas las demás restricciones vigentes permanecen sin cambios en este momento. Por ahora, se necesita una reapertura cautelosa con un seguimiento cercano de lo que sucede con nuestros datos en las próximas semanas eh, para ver si no estamos experimentando ninguna tasas altas significativas en los casos, hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos, como vimos en julio, después de las reaperturas y los días festivos. A medida que reabrimos sectores lentamente, observaremos eh, de cerca cómo está afectando la transmisión comunitaria. Y cuanto más tiempo permanezca por encima de las siete, uh, perdón, de siete, la, la tasa de casos promedio de siete días de nuestro condado, uh, según lo determine el estado, eh, más tiempo per, permaneceremos en el nivel más restrictivo del estado. Además, una vez que tanto nuestra tasa de casos uh, de siete días, um, ¿cómo se llama? El porcentaje de positividad promedio de siete días cumplen con los criterios para el nivel 2. Es necesario que deban permanecer allí durante al menos dos semanas antes de que podamos pasar al siguiente nivel que es menos restrictivo. Por esta razón, eh, es importante destacar que, por favor, sigan todos los protocolos requeridos. Eh, todos son para la seguridad de sus empleados y clientes y nos ayudarán a continuar mejorando nuestras tasas de casos. Para concluir, es muy importante que todos sigamos haciendo nuestra parte para protegernos y proteger a los demás de la propagación de COVID-19. El virus está y, y sigue en nuestra comunidad. Las mejoras que estamos viendo no significan victoria y todavía es fácil de transmitir y a menudo las personas contagiosas ni siquiera presentan síntomas. Este fin de semana festivo, el día de Labor Day, uh, utiliza, utilice todas las herramientas que tenemos para prevenir y retrasar la propagación. Use una cubierta para la cara siempre que esté fuera de su casa y alrededor de otras personas. Practique la distancia física del, del menos seis pies o más de tres pasos de los demás. Y evite multitudes y espacios uh, interiores. Sea flexible si tiene planes fuera de su hogar y tenga precaución en los espacios donde hay mucha gente. Si tiene planes de visitar la playa, tenga en cuenta que es probable que haya mucha gente este fin de semana y que cualquier espacio lleno de gente, eh, incluso si está al aire libre, puede presentar riesgos para la, la salud y la seguridad. Es una buena idea evitar las multitudes en las playas y vaya a la playa fuera de las horas pico uh, por la mañana o temprano por la noche. Manténgase siempre alejado físicamente de cualquier persona que sea ajena de su grupo y use una cubierta para la cara cuando esté fuera del agua. Si las playas se llenan demasiado, puede ser necesario cerrarlas. Y además de ser diligente para reducir el riesgo de transmisión de COVID-19, si va a la playa, por favor traiga una bolsa de basura y llévese la basura a casa para tirarla. Por último, no organice fiestas ni encienda una fogata en la playa. Los incendios en la arena son ilegales y dañan la playa y el medio marino. 
son difíciles de limpiar para el personal de mantenimiento de la playa y representan un riesgo uh, para la seguridad de todos. Disfrute de nuestro hermoso condado de la forma más segura y um, durante este fin de semana del Día del Trabajo. And now we'll go on to questions in Spanish. Thank you. If you'd like to ask a question on the phone lines in Spanish, press one and zero at this time. We'll go to the line of Sandra O'Neill with Telemundo. Please go ahead. Yes. Hello. Thank you for um, getting my call. En español lo voy a preguntar. Okay. Eh, aclarando nada más que desde hoy entra en efecto la reapertura de barberías y peluquerías y qué pasa con los centros comerciales y los salones de uñas y masajes. Ok, muchas gracias Sandra por uh, esa pregunta. Uh, si es cierto, entra en vigencia en, en cuanto la publiquemos porque no ha estado publicada todavía la orden. Uh, esos uh, requisitos para las, eh, los salones de belleza y las barberías eh, todavía no, eh, ¿cómo se llama? Todavía no se han uh, relajado esas restricciones para otros sectores. Eh, como hemos mencionado, estamos yendo despacio, en una manera despacia uh, para asegurarnos que cualquier cambio que hagamos para poder monitorear qué va a ser el cambio que ocasionan esos cambios. Así que lo estamos tomando de una manera lenta. Uh, vamos a seguir trabajando con nuestra junta de supervisores y uh, con la guía que nos ha dado el estado para seguir reabriendo de una manera segura. Gracias. Uh, one more question. Yes, we'll go to the line of Francisco Ugalde with Univision 34. Please go ahead. Gracias. Eh, mi pregunta es sobre el próximo fin de semana que representa un verdadero reto por la temperatura tan alta que vamos a registrar de hasta 112 grados en el condado. Yo quisiera saber qué es lo que está haciendo o qué va a hacer el condado en cuanto a centros de refrescamiento y cuáles serían sus eh, recomendaciones. Muchas gracias, Francisco, por esa pregunta. Eh, lo que hemos estado haciendo es abriendo los, esos uh, lugares de, de enfriamiento, como ha mencionado. Uh, esos están en nuestro sitio web del condado, igual que puede llamar al 211 y ahí pueden dar más información. Es muy importante poder tener esos lugares uh, y hacerlos y proveerlos en una manera segura. Así que en esos lugares hemos estado implementando los protocolos uh, que, que son necesarios, incluyendo por ejemplo, el utilizar las mascarillas, igual que el distanciamiento físico. Uh, así que eso sigue en pie, no van a haber cambios, especialmente uh, durante estas uh, épocas de, de calor. Uh, una última cosa, me gustaría destacar lo que mencionó la supervisora Solís acerca de uh, la necesidad de uh, tomar la, la vacuna de la gripe. Si necesita una vacuna para la gripe, por favor, llame a su médico y si no tiene un médico uh, marque al 211. Es muy importante uh, asegurarnos de no abrumar nuestro sistema médico. Así que si tenemos herramientas para evitar enfermarnos, incluyendo la vacuna, uh, es importante utilizarlas. Muchas gracias. And now we'll go on to remarks in Armenian. Barrior Bolorin. Shnarakalchun verahaskich solisin, ye verahaskich horti bolor antamnerin. Ye shatirahta partem ein ameni hamar. Inch duk anumek mesur jani vera kangman janapare hestats nello. Aisor yes kutsankanai deset hosel mer antatik tveri yev anotevan aproch martkant yev apastaran nerum ashatok anznakazmi debkeri yev mahvan debkeri vera berial. Yes kutsankanai deset rekats nell naev ein te inch popochutuneren katarvum mer aroch chapaychans pai ramanagrum. 
համաձայնեցնելով մեր վերստուգողների խորթի եւ վերաբացման պետության նորացված շրջանակի մեջ ներկա իրավիճակը հետեւյալն է այսօր ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 51 մահվան մասին այս մարտանցից 22-ը 80 տարեկանից բարձր էին որոնցից 17-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ 15-ը 65 տարեկանից 79-ն էին եւ 10-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ 8 անձի տարիքը 50-ից 64-ն է եւ 6-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ 3-ը 30 տարեկանից 49-ն էին եւ 1-ը ունեցել է ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ 2-ը 18 տարեկանից 29-ն էին եւ ոչ ոք չի ունեցել ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ Սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահերի թիվը 5878-ի Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում։ Էթնիկ պատկանելությունը հետեւյալն է։ 51% լատինեքս, 24% սպիտակ, 15% ասիական, 10% աֆրոամերիկացիներ, 1% բնիկ հավայան եւ 1% այլ մեկ ռասա եւ էթնիկ խումբ։ Կովիտասնինով մահացած անձանց 92%-ը ունեին ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ, ինչը կարևորում է այն անձանց, ովքեր առողջության լուրջ խնդիրներ ունեն, մնալ տանը եւ խուսափել սերտ կապերից։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 1457 դեպքերի մասին, եւ սա բերում է Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր թիվը 243935-ի։ Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Long Beach քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 10674 դեպքեր, իսկ Փասեդենա քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 2387 դեպքեր։ Որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանմունքներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 1583 հաստատված դեպք անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց շրջանում։ Ապաստան գտած 441 անց պատշաճ կերպով մեկուսացված է իսկ սերտ կապերը կարանտինացված են 16667 մարդ ինչ որ պահի հոսպիտալացվել է որը կազմում է բոլոր դրական դեպքերի 7%-ը ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել է 1048 մարդ որոնցից 31%-ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում իսկ 17%-ը միացված են շնչարական օդափոխիչների Ներկայումս քննություններ են կատարվում 1660 ինստիտուցիոնալ բնակչության հաստատություններում։ Դրանց թվում են ծերանոցներ, ապաստաններ, բուժման կենտրոններ, ուժանդակվող բնակելի հաստատություններ եւ քրեակատարողական հիմնարկներ։ Ինստիտուցիոնալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր դեպքերը 32599-ն ներառյալ անձնակազմը եւ բնակիչները։ Այս դեպքերից 16517-ը բնակիչներն են եւ 16082-ը անձնակազմ։ Ցավով ենք հայտնում, որ 2632 մարդ, ովքեր ապրում են ինստիտուցիոնալ պայմաններում, մահացել են COVID-19-ից։ Ինստիտուցիոնալ միջավայրում բնակվող մահացածներից 2377-ը բնակվում էին հմուտ բուժքուրական հաստատություններում։ Մենք ցավում ենք այս կորուստի համար։ Մենք զեկուցում ենք, որ հաստատված 3570 դեպքեր արձանագրվել են քրեակատարողական հիմնարկներում։ 
Եթարկարասունյերկու Ավելի քան 2.3 միլիոն մարդ տեստավորվել են եւ արդյունքները զեկուցվել են Լոս Անջելոս շրջան, որոնցից 10%-ը դրական են։ Ներկայումս վերջին 7 օրվա միջին դրական թեստերի թիվը կազմում է 4.7%-ը։ Այս բնակչությունը մեր համայնքների ամենախոցելիներից մեկն է։ Եվ ես ցանկանում եմ իմ սրտան շնորհակալությունը հայտնել բոլոր այն կազմակերպություններին եւ աշխատակիցներին, ովքեր քրտնաջան աշխատել են եւ շարունակում են աշխատել օգնելու, պաշտպանել այս համաճարակի ընթացքում անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց։ Համաճարակի սկզբում մենք լուրջ մտահոգություններ ունենք այս բնակչության վերաբերյալ Նրանք ի վիճակի չեն պարզապես տանը մնալ, որը բոլորին խորուրդ տրվեց դանել մարտի ամսվա ընթացքում։ Նրանք հաճախ ապրում են ճամբարներում կամ ապաստարաններում, որոնք դժվարեցնում են ֆիզիկական հեռավորության պահպանումը եւ շատերը ունեն հիմքում ընկած առողջական խնդիրներ, որոնք նրանց ավելի բարձր վտանգի են ենթարկում։ Տվյալները, որոնք մենք այսօր կքննարկենք, ցույց են տալիս, որ մասամբ Այս գործընկերների շնորհիվ, ովքեր միասին աշխատել են այս խմբի բնակիչների շրջանում, բռնկումները կանխվել են եւ վերահսկվել են։ Օգոստոսի 27-ի դրությամբ անոթևան ապրող 19715 մարդ տեստավորվել են եւ 1.87% դրական ցուցանիշով։ Ես ուզում եմ կրկին շնորհակալություն հայտնել առողջապահական ծառայությունների վարչության եւ այլ գործընկերների աշխատանքին այս տեստավորումը հեշտացնելու համար։ Մարտից ի վեր մեկուսացվել են անոթևան ապրող 448 անց, իսկ կարանտինացվել են 1040 անց։ Այս շափատվադրությամբ մենք շատ ցավով ենք հայտնում, որ 41 անց, ովքեր անոթևան էին եւ երկու մարդ ովքեր աշխատում էին ապաստանաներում կյանքից հերացել են COVID-19-ից ինչպես տեսնում եք չնայած այս թվերը ցածր են մենք տեսնում ենք որ վերջի ամսվա ընթացքում 15 անց կյանքից հերացավ բոլոր նրանց համար ովքեր սկում են իրենց ընկերների եւ սիրելների մահը մենք շատ ցավում ենք ձեր կորուստի համար նոր ուղեցույց դպրոցների համար Այժմ կցանկանայ ձեզ տեղեկացնել նախորերին կայացված որոշումների մասին խորթակցելով մեր վերստուգիչ խորթի հետ Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի վերականգնման շուրջ։ Նախ սկսած երկու շաբաթի սեպտեմբեր 14-ին նախադպրոցականներից 12-րդասարանները կարող են առաջարկել միջ դպրոցական ծառայություններ 
անհատական կրթական ծրագրերով փոքր խմբերի աշակերտների անգլերենի համար որպես երկրորդ լեզու ուսուցում պահանջող աշակերտների կամ գնահատման կարիք ունեցող դպրոցական մասնագիտացված աշակերտների համար քանի դեռ դպրոցի վիճակի ամբողջությամբ իրականացնել առողջապահության սպայի վերաբացման արդյունագրությունները սա հնարավորություն կտա երեխաներին ովքեր անձամբ սովորելու առավելագույն կարիք ունեն վերադառնան իրենց դասարանները մենք չենք բացելու դիմումների վերանայելու ծրագիրը նախադպրոցականից 6-րդ դասարանների աշակերտների ուսուցման համար քանի որ մենք վերահսկում ենք այս ջանքերի իրականացումը դպրոցում մասնագիտացված ներդպրոցական ծառայությունները կարիք ունեցող աշակերտների անվտանգ վերադառնալու համար երկրորդը նորացված կարգ եւ թարմացված անհրաժեշտ վարչաշրջանի արձանագրությունները վերանայելուց հետո վարսավերանոցները կարող են վերաբացվել ներքին ծառայությունների համար 25 տոկոս զբաղվածությամբ պայմանով որ դրանք լովին համապատասխանում են առողջապահության սպայի արձանագրություններին Եթե ձեր վարսավերանոցը բացուցա գործունեություն է ծավալել, ապա շարունակեք դա անել եւ ձեր 25 տոկոս զբաղվածությունը օգտագործեք այն ծառայությունների համար, որոնք դուք վիճակի չեք ապահովել դրսում։ Այս պահին մնացած բոլոր այլ սահմանափակումները մնում են ամփոփող։ Հենց հիմա անհրաժեշտը զգուշ վերաբացում հետեւյալ շափատների ընթացքում եւ ուշադիր հետեւելով տվյալներին որպիսի համոզվենք որ դեպքերի հոսպիտալացման եւ մահվան դեպքերի զգալի աճ չի նկատվում ինչպես տեսանք հուլիսին վերսկսվելուց հետո երբ դանդաղ ենք բացում հատվածները մենք ուշադիր կհետևենք թե ինչպես է դա ազդում համայնքային փոխանցման վրա եւ պետության որոշմամբ ավելի երկար կմնանք նահանգի ամենասահմանափակ մակարդակում խնդրում ենք հետևել կոմսության պահանջվող բոլոր արձանագրություններին եւ անձնական պաշտպանության բոլոր գործողություններին դրանք նախատեսված են ձեր աշխատակիցների եւ հաճախորդների անվտանգության համար եւ կօգնեն մեր շարունակել բարելավել մեր գործընթացը հանրային առողջապահության դեպարտամենտը այստեղ է որպիսի օկնի բիզնեսներին անվտանգ վերաբացվել շարունակելով դանդաղեցնել վիրուսի տարածումը բիզնեսների հատվածները վերաբացելը պետք է լինի բոլորի ուշադրությունը։ Բոլորիս համար շատ կարևոր է ճանաչիրաբար կատարել մեր մասը պաշտպանելու ինքներս մեզ եւ մի միանց COVID-19-ից տարածումից։ Վիրուսը տարածված է մեր համայքում։ Այն բարելավումները, որոնք մենք տեսնում ենք, չի նշանակում հաղթանակ։ Դեր հեշտ է փոխանցել եւ հաճախ վարակիչ մարդիկ նույնիսկ ախտանիշներ չեն ունենում։ Աշխատանքի տոնի օրը խնդրում ենք օգտագործել բոլոր այն գործիքները, որոնք ունեն կանխարգելու եւ տարածումը դանդաղեցնելու համար։ Հաքեք կտորի դիմակ, երբ տանից դուրս եք, գալիս լինեք ուրիշների շրջապատում։ Պահպանեք ֆիզիկական հերավորություն, առնվազը 6 ոտնաչափ կամ ավելի քան 3 քայլ ուրիշներից։ Խուսափեք մարդկանց բազմությունից եւ սահմանափակ տարածություններից։ Եղեք ճկուն, եթե ձեր տանից դուրս ծրագրեր ունեք, խուսափեք մարդաշատ ցանկացած տարածքից։ Եթե պլանավորում եք այցելել լողափ, 
խնդրում ենք իմացեք, որ դրանք ամենայն հավանականությամբ մարդաշատ են լինելու։ Այս հանգստյան օրերին և ծանկացած մարդաշատ տարածք նույնիսկ եթե այն գտնվում է դրսում, կարող է առողջության և անվտանգության ռիսկեր առաջացնել։ լավ գաղափարի խուսապել լողափերի բազմությունից, գնացեք լողապ ոչ պիկ ժամերին, առավության կամ երեկոյան ժամերին, դիմակ կրեք, երբ ջրի մեջ չեք, եթե լողապները շատ մարդաշատ են, գուծ են առաժես դրանք լողապերի սպասարկող ազնակազմի համար դժվար է մակրել և անվտանգության ռիսկեր են առաջասնում լողապ այցելուների համար։ Հնդրում ենք վայելել մեր գեղեցիկ շրջանը հնարավորինս անվտանք այս Հնյաշիմնիկա լոս անջելս կանտի բոգոն դանգուգի պարպյուան դեիլի լիպոտրը մարսմդրիկեսնիդա։ Եուգամծրոգկեդո կորոնա բայրսրո ինէ չուկարո 51-մյոնը սամանջակա բոգո դեյոսնիդա։ Իջունք 22-մյոնը 82- 8명은 50세에서 64세 사이이고 이중 6명은 이미 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 3명은 30세에서 49세 사이이고 이중 1명은 이미 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 2명은 18세에서 29세 사이이고 롱비치에시에서는 1명의 사망자가 있었으며 자세한 점은 웹사이트에서 보실 수 있습니다. 이로써 로스앤젤레스 카운티에서의 총 사망자 수는 5,878명입니다. 코로나 바이러스로 인해 사망한 분들 중에 92%가 이미 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 다시 말하면 이 수치는 8%의 사망자들은 건강했고 아무런 질환이 없었습니다. 인종과 민족성이 알려진 5,535명의 사망자 중에 51%는 라틴 계열, 24%는 백인, 15%는 동양인, 10%는 흑인, 1% 미만은 하와이 태평양섬 원주민, 1%는 기타 인종이었습니다. 오늘로써 1,457건의 새로운 확진 케이스가 보고되었습니다. 이로써 로스앤젤레스 카운티에서의 총 확진 케이스 수는 24만 3,935건입니다. 이 수는 롱비치시에서 1만 674건, 페사디나시에서 2,387건이 있었으며 이두 시는 각 보건부가 따로 있음을 알려드립니다. 총 16,667케이스는 어느 시점에 병원에 입원한 적이 있었고 모든 양성 케이스의 7%였습니다. 현재 1,048명의 양성 확진자들이 병원에 입원해 있으며 이중 31%는 중환자실에 있고 17%는 인공호흡기에 의존해 있습니다. 하나 이상의 확진 케이스가 나온 총 1,660개의 거주시설과 비거주시설을 조사하였으며 이중 847개는 현재 조사 중이고 813개는 조사를 마쳤습니다. 이 시설들은 양농원, 전문 간호시설, 보호소, 치료소, 서포트 리빙, 교도소, 직장, 음식점, 상점, 교육기관 등을 포함합니다. 시설에서의 총 확진 케이스는 3만 2,599건이고 이중 1만 6,517명은 거주자이며 1만 6,082명은 일하는 사람들입니다. 
시설에 사는 사람들 중 사망자 수는 2,632명이고 이중 2,377명은 전문 간호시설에 살고 있었습니다. 오늘 발표된 50명의 사망자 중에 12명, 즉 24%는 전문 간호시설 관련 사망자 케이스입니다. 교도시설에서는 총 3,570건의 확진 케이스가 있었고 이중 3,166명은 수감자이며 404명은 일하는 사람들이었습니다. 지금까지 LA 보건부로 230만 건 이상이 코로나 바이러스 테스트를 받은 것으로 보고되었고 이중 10%가 양성 결과였습니다. 현재 7일간 평균 확진률은 4.7%입니다. 이제 노숙자들과 이 집단과 함께 일하고 있는 직원들에 대해 업데이트를 말씀드리겠습니다. 이 그룹은 우리 커뮤니티에서 가장 취약한 집단인데 판다믹이 있는 동안 이 그룹에 포함된 사람들을 보호하기 위해 열심히 일하신 모든 기관과 직원들에게 진심으로 감사드립니다. 판데믹이 시작된 후로부터 이 집단에 대해서 많은 염려가 있었는데 3월에 모든 사람들에게 따르도록 한 Safer at Home, 즉 집에 머무르는 그 명령에 따를 수 없었기 때문입니다. 이들은 대부분 쉘터나 야영지에 살고 있고 신체적 거리를 두기가 어려우며 많은 사람들이 기저질환이 있어서 안 좋아질 위험이 더 큽니다. 8월 27일까지 19,715명의 노숙자들이 테스트를 받았으며 1.87%의 확증률을 보았습니다. 3월 이후로 448명의 노숙자들이 고립되었고 1,040명이 격리되었습니다. 4월과 5월에는 큰 쉘터에서 전염병이 발생하였으며 그 이후로는 수치가 유지되고 있습니다. 이번 주까지 노숙자들 중에 41명이 사망하였고 쉘터에서 일하던 직원 2명이 코비드19로 사망하였습니다. 이 수치가 매우 높지는 않지만 지난달에는 15명이 사망한 것으로 볼때 카운티의 전체적으로 7월에 케이스 수치가 올라갔던 것과 연관이 있는 것 같습니다. 대부분의 케이스가 30에서 59세 사이의 연령층에 있었지만 사망률은 50세 이상의 연령층에서 가장 높았습니다. 또한 남성의 사망률이 여성보다 두배가 높았는데 아마도 LA 카운티의 노숙자 그룹에 남성이 더 많기 때문입니다. 이제 어제 보드 슈퍼바이저들과 상의한 뒤에 내려진 결정에 대해서 업데이트를 말씀드리고자 합니다. 먼저 9월 14일 2020년 월요일부터 K-12 학교에서는 IEP 즉 개별학 교육 계획안이 있는 학생들 또한 ESL, 즉 영어가 제2외국어인 학생들, 또한 평가가 필요한 학생들, 특별한 학교 내에서의 서비스가 필요한 적은 수의 학생들을 위해서 학교의 실내 서비스를 마련할 것입니다. 학교는 보건 담당자의 영업체계 프로토콜을 반드시 따라야 합니다. 이 마련은 직접적인 교육이 꼭 필요한 아이들이 다시 교실로 돌아올 수 있도록 도와줄 것입니다. 특별한 학교의 실내 서비스가 필요한 학생들이 안전하게 학교에 돌아오는 것을 모니터하기 위해서 TK부터 6학년의 학생들을 위한 면제 신청은 아직 열지 않을 것입니다. 두 번째로 미용실과 이발소는 보건 당당각의 프로토콜에 준수하면서 실내 수용 인원의 25%만 실내 영업 서비스를 제공할 수 있을 것입니다. 
만약 그동안 야외에서 영업을 하고 있었다면 계속 그렇게 하고 밖에서 할수 없는 서비스들을 25%의 수용 인원만 실내에서 할수 있습니다. 다른 모든 규제는 바뀌지 않았습니다. 지금 우리는 매우 조심히 영업을 재개할 필요가 있는데 앞으로 몇 주간 데이터를 밀접히 모니터링 하면서 케이스가 갑자기 증가하는지 병원 입원자 수나 사망자 수가 갑자기 오르는지를 지켜볼 것입니다. 현재 주정부에서는 우리의 7일간 평균 케이스률이 10만 명당 10명입니다. 이 수치는 10만 명당 13명에서 더 내려간 수치입니다. 주정부 결정에 따라 우리 카운트의 1 7일 평균 케이스률이 7 이상이면 주정부의 제일 제한적인 단계에 머물러 있게 됩니다. 그에 더해서 7일 평균 케이스률과 7일 평균 확진률이 2단계 기준에 2주 이상 머무른다면 다음 덜 제한적인 단계로 내려갈 수 있게 됩니다. 모든 요구되는 카운티 프로토콜과 개인 보호 행동들을 따르고 케이스류를 개선하기 위해서 또 우리 직원들과 손님들의 안전을 지키기 위해서 따라주시기 바랍니다. 보건국은 모든 사업체들이 이 프로토콜을 어떻게 실천할 수 있는지 이해하도록 돕기 위해 있습니다. 사업체들이 영업을 재개하면서 바이러스의 확산을 늦추는 것이 우리 모두의 포커스가 되어야 할 것입니다. 끝으로 코비드19 확산으로부터 우리 가식 자신과 다른 사람들을 보호하기 위해 우리의 역할을 다하는 것이 매우 중요합니다. 이 바이러스는 우리 커뮤니티에 만연히 퍼져 있습니다. 우리가 보고 있는 이 개선된 수치들은 승리의 표시가 아닙니다. 이 바이러스는 여전히 전염성이 매우 강하고 전염하는 사람들이 대부분 증상이 없습니다. 이번 네이버데이의 확산을 늦추고 막기 위해서 우리가 가지고 있는 모든 도구들을 사용하십시오. 집 밖에서 다른 사람들 곁에 있을 때천 얼굴 가리개를 꼭 사용하십시오. 6피트 혹은 새 발자국 떨어져서 신체적 거리 두기를 실천해야 합니다. 좁은 공간과 큰 무리를 피하고 집 밖에 나갈 계획이 있다면 사람들이 많이 모이는 것을 볼때 즉시 떠나겠다고 계획하십시오. 바닷가에 갈 계획이라면 이번 주말에는 바닷가가 매우 붐빌 것이므로 붐비는 공간은 심지어 야외라도 우리의 안전과 건강에 위험할 수 있습니다. 바닷가에서 붐비는 사람들을 멀리하십시오. 사람이 많지 않은 시간대에 바닷가에 가십시오. 아침이나 이른 저녁에 그렇게 할수 있는데 가족이 아닌 사람과 항상 신체적 거리를 유지하고 물 밖에 있을 때에는 꼭 마스크를 사용하십시오. 바닷가가 너무 붐비게 되면 폐쇄해야 하게 될지도 모릅니다. 그에 더해 바닷가에 가게 된다면 쓰레기 봉투를 가지고 가서 나오는 모든 쓰레기는 집으로 가져가십시오. 마지막으로 바닷가에서 파티를 하거나 본파이어를 시작하지 마십시오. 모래에서 불을 피는 것은 불법이고 바닷가를 손상시키며 환경에 영향을 줄수 있습니다. 또한 바닷가를 유지하기 위한 직원들이 청소를 하기가 매우 어렵고 바닷가에 오는 모든 사람들의 안전에 위협이 될수 있습니다. 이번 네이버데이 주말에 우리의 아름다운 카운티를 가능하면 안전하게 즐기도록 하십시오. 감사합니다. Next, Alan Chang from Will Brief in Mandarin. Thank you. 感谢杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜杜
员工方面的资料。这些资料包括染病的人数、死亡的人数。我也会向大家介绍我们对居家令的最新更新。这些更新都是依据最新州政府的重启规划的框架与督查委员会一起所做的更新。我们先来看看我们的每日简报。首先，我为大家更新每日数据。很不幸，我们又有五十一人因新冠病去世，其中二十二人是八十岁以上的长者，在这二十二人中有十七个人患有其他先天疾病，十五人的年龄介于六十五岁到七十九岁之间，其中十人患有其他疾病，八人的年龄介于五十到六十岁之间，其中六人患有其他疾病。三人年龄介于三十到四十九岁之间，其中一人患有其他疾病；两人的年龄介于十八岁到二十九岁之间，两人都没有其他疾病。另外，长滩市有一一有一例死亡。那相关的资料可以在长滩市市首网站上查找 ，Long Beach .gov。这样，我们诺县的总共死亡人数加达到了五千八百七十八人。我们和那些失去亲人的朋友一起悲伤。我在这里对你们说一声对不起。因新冠病毒去世人中，百分之九十的人，不，百分之九十二的人都患有其他疾病。这就意味着，有百分之八的人属于健康的人，没有任何其他疾病。因新冠病毒去世的人中，有五千五百三十五人的族裔背景已经分类。分类的结果如下：拉丁裔占百分之五十一，白人占百分之五十四、二十四，亚洲人占百分之十五，非裔占百分之十。受夏威夷和太平洋岛屿原住民所占的比例不足百分之一，另外还有百分之一属于其他族裔。今天我们新添了一千四百五十七例新的病例，这样洛杉矶县病例的总数就攀升到了二十四万三千九百三十五例。这一数字包括长滩市报来的一万零六百七十四例和帕萨迪纳市报来的两千三百八十七例，两个城市都有自己的独立的公共卫生部。总共有一千万六千六百六十七人住过院，占总阳性患者的百分之七。现有确诊的新冠病毒患者住院人数为一千零四十八例，其中。百分之三十一的人住在加护病房，而其中有百分之十七的病人使用呼吸机。我们对一千六百六十个大型住宅和非住宅机构做了调查，这些机构中至少有一例新冠已知新冠病毒患者，其中八百四十七个人在调查中，八百一十三个已经结束调查。这些机构包括疗养院、辅助居住所、避难所、治疗中心。援助居住中心、管教所，而非住宅机构则包括工作场所、餐饮和零售店以及教育中心。机构确诊病例的总数为三万两千五百九十九人，其中居民一万六千五百一十七人，员工一万六千零八十二人。我们很沉痛，因新冠病毒去世人中有两千六百三十二人来自机构住所。而其中两千三百七十七人则来自于首领
护理中机构。我们再次为那些因新冠病病毒失去亲人的朋友送去我们的问候。所有监禁场所总的确诊病例为三千五百七十例，其中三千一百六十六例为囚犯，四千四百零四人为员工。加州监狱有244例，其中183人为囚犯， 6 1人为管教人员。联邦监狱有758例，其中742例为囚犯， 1 6例为管教人员。少年管教所有143人，其中61人为囚犯， 8 2人为管教人员。洛县已有超过230万的居民进行了新冠病毒测试，并上报了测试结果，其中 10% 的测试呈阳性。我们现在阳性率的七天平均值不到 4.7% 我们现在来更新一下无家可归者的方面的资料。我现在为大家更新有关无家可归者及为这些人提供服务的人员方面的资料。无家可归人群是我们社区中最脆弱的一群人。我们在这里向那些在整个疫情期间一直为无家可归者提供服务的组织和个人致以敬意。从疫情初始的三月，我们一直为这些无家可归者担忧，因为他们无家可归，因此不能遵守居家令。他们通常居住在避难所和露营地，所以互相间很难保持物理距离。他们中很多人患有其他疾病，所以他们属于高风险人群。一会儿我会提供的数据中，我们可以看出，尽管经过多方的努力，致力于防御预防 COVID-19 在这群人群中的爆发，但仍然没有完全做到消除病毒。截止八月二十七号，总共有一万九千七百。一十五个无家可归者得到了新冠肺炎的测试，总的测试次数为两万八千零五百人，阳性率为一点八七百分之一点八七。我在此感谢卫生局的同仁们及其他合伙人为此做的努力。我现在谈及学校重启一些新的指南。现在我想为大家更新一些昨天才刚刚做出的决定。这些决定依照督查委员会的指导，为全洛杉矶县的恢复提供了新的指南。从这个月十四号星期一开始，只要学校可以完全实施卫生官发布的重新开启的有关指令 ，K twelve 及从小学到高中学校可以为一波需要单独指导的学生。以及将英文作为第二语言的学生，及那些需要做特别评估或需要特别教育的学生，开启小班课堂上课。在我们开启，在我们开始对需要特别教育的学生提供课堂上课时，我们尚需要时刻监督这一过程，因此我们暂时不会为小学生的开学准备豁免手续。在一些审查现有的。有关指令后，法郎和理发店将会有机会重新开放室内营业，但仅限于百分之二十的自身店的容量
，而且要完全按照相关的指令进行营业。如果你的法郎或理发店已在室外营业，你可以一直继续在室外营业。你这样来弥补因室内只能允许百分之二十的容量带来的不足。所有其他限制目前尚未得到解除。现在我们只能一点点的逐步开放，同时严格的监督有关数据的变化，来保证病例不会爆炸性的增长，住院人数或死亡人数也不会因此暴涨。就像七月份所发生的独立节后重新开放所造成的结果，只有慢慢的开启，我们才能紧密的跟踪开启给社区传播带来的影响。七天平均病例数在七以上。停留的越长，则我们县就会在州政府这严格跟踪阶段就会越长。另外，一旦我县的七天平均病例数或七天平均阳性率满足州政府规定的 T T 阶段二，则这一双向指标必须在接下来的两星期内都达标，我们县才可能进进入到下一个比较宽松的阶段。请一定遵守我们所有的相关指令。这些指令的目的是要保护员工和顾客的安全，并且会帮助我们持续控制病例数。公共卫生局的职责就是让大家理解或知道如何遵守指令，因为只有我们每个人都负起责任，我们才能够在重启时将病毒的传播控制住。结束于劳动节和海滩。结束前，我要再次的强调，只有我们每个人都做好自己的防疫工作，我们才能保护好自己，也能够相互保护，这样防止病毒的传播。在我们的社区，病毒无处不在。我们现有的成果并不意味着我们取得了胜利，病毒依然很容易传播，而且很多携带病毒的人且具有感染的人。并不显示症状。我呼吁大家，在这个劳动节，请使用使用一切可用的工具来阻止病毒的传播，譬如戴披戴口罩，出门与他人在一起时一定要戴上口罩，与人相隔至少六尺的物理距离或三步的距离，避免群集，也避免待在密闭空间。如果你计划外出，一定要机动灵活。远离人群时，远离人群聚集的地方。如果你这个周末准备打算去海滩，一定要预计到海滩可能会拥挤。记住，即便在室外，人群的聚集也是会带来健康或安全风险的。建议大家在海滩最好远离人群，人群选择非高峰期光顾海滩，譬如早上或。晚上一定要始终与非非家庭成员保持物理距离，上岸后就戴上口罩。如果海滩变得过度拥挤，则有必要关闭海滩。除了做了做好上述各种降低病毒传播的风险的工作外，去海滩时最好带上自己的垃圾袋，将自己的垃圾带回家扔掉。最后。提醒大家，在海滩时千万别组织派对，也别点燃篝火。
，在海滩上生活是非法的，因为这样会损害海滩和海洋生物，同样也会给海滩维护人员增加维护难度，给海滩上部的人员带来格外的风险。我在这里祝大家在这个劳动节周末尽情享受我们县的美景，但一定要注意安全。This concludes for today. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast.